Save the date for the 12th of September. Join our webinar on digital transformation in manufacturing. We are exploring how IoT, AI and smart factories are reshaping our sector. Hear from industry leaders like Airbus, Rolls-Royce and Heriot Watt University. This is a must attend for professionals and decision makers in manufacturing. So register now at resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. That's resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. The link is also in the description. I had a great chat this week with Manuel Oliveira of Kit AR. We talked about unlocking the power of artificial intelligence and augmented reality, the pain and gain of startups and spin-outs, and whether UK manufacturing is on the cusp of a major revival. From Redfern Media, this is Remake Manufacturing. My guest this week is Manuel Oliveira, CEO and co-founder of Kit AR. This highly innovative company provides an AR solution for the manufacturing industry that's enhanced with AI technology, providing employees with information that can reduce errors and cut costs on the shop floor, while also providing operational insights for managers. So Manuel Oliveira, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stuart. I'm very excited to be here. So your company combines artificial intelligence and augmented reality tools. For some people, that combination might conjure up a nightmare sci-fi scenario. So can you explain how your approach makes things better, uh, especially for manufacturing? Well, it's interesting what you say, because whenever there is change, there's always these fears associated to it. So for example, we have these industrial revolutions in which we're going through the fourth, and it's always driven by technology. And the, since the first one, it's always a uh, focus on the human is going to be replaced. But history has shown us that what, uh, what happens is the role of the wor human worker evolves and they will change their responsibilities and what they, they need to do. So in, in our case, what we're doing is as products and processes are becoming more complex, that what we're trying is to combine man and machine to, uh, bring, uh, to create a synergy in which we will focus on their, the strengths of each side and mitigate their shortcomings. So we augment cognitively the workers to do their job. And that sounds like um, a sort of technical uh, element. Can you paint a picture of what using the tools actually looks like on a, on a typical production line? Okay. So... so so normally what happens is a, a worker will uh, come onto their workstation. They will uh, take a head-mounted display, which they put on, and then they will log into the system. They will probably scan the job order they have to do. And what they see is an overlay of digital information over what they see in reality. And that will provide them personalized information to the task at hand they need to do. So it's not one size fits all. It's what they need to know to be able to do their own work. And then afterwards, what uh, the system does is instead of you asking your supervisor to come along and check what if you've done the work correctly, the system uh, has the possibility of doing a quality assurance from your, the perspective of the worker. So he looks at what he does and the system will then give him the green light, you've done it correctly, or will point out where he went wrong and how to fix it. 
And and just to rewind a little bit then, how did Kit AR actually come together? What's What's been your journey so far as a company? Okay, that's a, always an interesting question, especially in, in light where we are. Um, we, we are a, a spin-off from actually a European project. So uh, in, when we created uh, a few years back, we had these Horizon 2020 projects where the focus was how can we leverage technology to improve the well-being of the workers on the shop floor. And the, the project had two uh, streams. One was the physical augmentation, in a sense with exoskeletons and things like that. The other one was on cognitive augmentation. And at the time, it was when the whole Lens 1 came out. So uh, in the project, we were actually going to create a new uh, augmented reality display. And then we decided, hold on, Microsoft is going into this uh, into hardware, we probably will not, we definitely don't have the same amount of budget. So we then uh, uh, picked we, uh, the whole lens and we, we said, okay, let's make the best software to do the cognitive augmentation of the workers on top of that hardware platform. And that's, that's how we did it. And, and how did you get involved in the beginning? Uh, have you been there since, since you first did that uh, initial project and spun out? Yes. So what happened was we started uh, naturally being an EU project. I was the scientific coordinator of that project. We looked around to see what was the the status, uh, what was the state of the art in terms of industrial augmented reality. And we saw the solutions which were very much based on showing the workers what they need to do. And we said, okay, if we wanted to go a step further, what needs to be done? And we saw, okay, it's the verification of what the workers have done is done correctly. It's the drawing the insights to be able to do continuous process improvement. And that, since we were at the beginning, this allowed us to start from a scratch, from a white board, and permit us to go a different way than the usual way that the existing systems that currently exist in the market do things, right? They focus very much on the 3D on the the, uh, the AR notations where they are, we do a knowledge-based approach on how to do the instruction sets, which then allows us to do the quality assurance on top of that because we're not doing it based only on the image. We're actually doing it based on, oh, I want to see if that screw is present or I want to see if the sealant is correctly applied according to this path. So it's more with semantic, uh, semantic meaning behind it rather than just doing it purely on the analysis of the image. And, and as you say, you're, you're a spin-out that's now crossing over, gathering clients. So can you tell us who you work with at the moment and what kind of companies would benefit from what you're offering? So what you say, Stuart, is correct. We're coming out of the pilot purgatory that usually affects startups. Right. Uh, we're very much focused on uh, industries with high-value products. Uh, so aeronautics, automotive, and electronics. And uh, we're working with uh, some big brands uh, in, in the marketplace. Uh, we've closed a, we're closing a contract with a, a well-known luxury uh, automotive manufacturer, but we're also working, for example, in Portugal with a uh, Volkswagen is a name that I can say that we have a project with them, but there are others like Bosch as well. And how's all that going? 
It's going very well. All of them, uh, because we the quality assurance brings something that is very different from other. AR is not new, and there are solutions in the marketplace, and people are experimenting, whether in-house or out, uh, with outside suppliers. They're, they are aware of what AR does and what's the purpose, but we bring something extra that makes a difference, which is that quality assurance. And as you say, there's tons of competitors out there. Are you finding it a, a difficult marketplace to walk into? Do you need very sharp elbows? Um, not, not exactly, because if it's also totally blue ocean, the problem you have then is you need to educate the market. Right, right. So, so they, they, uh, it's not a red ocean. Right. But the, the thing is, it helps when people AR is becoming commonplace to the sense that people know what it is, because then you don't have to educate your customers. And then usually what happens is when we show the solution, our uh, customers uh, get kind of uh, the typical expression they say is, wow, I didn't know AR could do this. Okay. Oh, we need to rethink our uh, approach to because we thought it would just be AR, you know. Uh, oh, uh, finally, I can see what this really should be because, from a perspective of the industry, a lot of people are looking at AR as something they know they need to be looking into it for innovation to give them an edge, but they consider that it might not be there yet. Mm-hmm. And when we present our solution, because it's a complete solution from building instruction sets, using them, verifying them, and then learning from them, they say, okay, this is how AR in manufacturing should be. So you don't have to do too hard a job convincing them, but are there other psychological barriers that you need to get over? For example, uh, everyone's worried about data privacy. Uh, how How do you make sure everyone feels comfortable that... Uh, what you're offering is safe. Okay, the the very very good questions. The the issue on privacy is more in the sense of we whenever we go to a factory, we always involve the workers from the onset, and it's they always see it always has to be uh, they have to be part of the dialogue, they have to be part of the conversation, and they need to see the benefits. If you try and and this is the same whether it's our solution or any technology. A technology that you push on, uh, or try to push on the on the shop floor. If the workers are not part of the dialogue, you can sell the solution. But after a few months, you go to the shop floor and you'll see that the tool or the technology is not being used. Right. Mm. So the, it has to be. So in our case, because the workers see the added value they have for themselves, they actually are uh, very much engaged, and we have a poll. So every time we're there. They're always uh, coming up with new ideas. They are uh, asking for new features. And, and it's from, uh, so for example, in one uh, customer we had, they did this uh, walk around for the director. We weren't involved. We were there to give support, but it was the workers themselves that were selling the solution on our behalf. Wow. And the director was exact asking those same questions that you, you, you might be thinking of. Is this useful? Do you like it? How often do you use it? Does it make your life better? And they answered better than I could. Fantastic. So, so it's obviously um, uh, a grassroots um, uh, growth level there that, that sounds very promising. Definitely. Remake Manufacturing is brought to you by Redfern Media, the digital agency for B2B manufacturers. We partner with B2B manufacturers to listen, think, create, and innovate. To find out more, head over to remakemanufacturing.com 
and sign up to the podcast, plus manufacturing marketing and technology insights. Now, back to the show. And how are you finding the process of getting on the radar of big companies? What kind of barriers do you face convincing them that you can help? Well, when you're dealing with industrial tech, one of the challenges that you have is it's very much a relationship because usually when they, they are a supplier relationship is something that lasts a few years. You're not changing it every month. So get, get, being, having trust and being known is a major issue for a startup. And there's usually two ways that we address that uh, because we're in the very beginning of our journey. The first one is having very good connections with research institutes or universities that have that network with, with the industry and they sort of they go with you and they open the door. That is one possibility. The other one that also works very effectively is the fact that they uh, some especially the big companies, they have these open innovation uh, departments. Uh, that they uh, do scouting of the market and then they will contact you and invite you to come and do a pilot. And that also works very well. So those are the two cases that we've seen that uh, helps because going directly to a company, it is very hard without having track record in the market, which is the case of a startup. Let's talk a little bit about the wider context. When we spoke before, you said uh, you thought the UK manufacturing was on the cusp of a major revival. Can you explain that a bit? Why, why so confident? It has to do with the geopolitical situation that you have. Uh, you know, globalization, probably some have said that it reached its peak and now we're going down. Uh, COVID disrupted the supply chains a lot. So there's a lot of reshoring again. Manufacturing is coming back to the UK. This gives you control over the supply chains, reliability, responsiveness to the market, even reduce the problems with tariffs. So there's a lot of opportunity there. And what do you think really needs to happen to make that revival work, to make the situation succeed? Well, we're still more uh, expensive in terms of labor costs compared to our counterparts. So it has to rely a lot of innovation, digital transformation, and using technology to offset that. Right. And here, this is where, uh, especially with smaller and medium-sized companies, uh, government policies help a lot to allow companies to experiment and try and do the uptake of those new technologies, which otherwise they would not do. And then obviously, uh, you're really at the cutting edge of uh, everything, but we're always talking about robotics and automation. Do you think that's a, a realistic answer to the current skill shortage that we've seen in manufacturing? Uh, partly, in, in the sense that automation is is happening and it will continue to happen. But I've heard the the, the case of uh, lights out in a factory since the the early eighties. Uh, when the, with the third industrial revolution with the, the computers, they said, okay, now we're just going to close the factory, switch off the lights, no humans around. And it's, that vision still hasn't happened. And I know of a case, for example, in one automotive supplier, we're doing um, a process that has to do with installing grommets in, in the undercarriage of a car. Uh, and they have like a conveyor belt and it's very manual. 100%. But then you go to this other manufacturing company that they almost ha- they adopt a lot of the, the techniques 
and uh, technology from the aerospace industry in which they they you you don't have a conveyor belt you have a jig and you turn the car around and put it to and you have robots that do the grommets but guess what they only do about 70% of the grommets right you still need a human to go there so even though they changed the technology and facilitated things so it could be automated you still need the human being involved so my personal view, is, and it coincides with a lot of uh, the manufacturing companies uh, and even companies like Porsche Consulting, is that the future is hybrid in the sense that uh, you will combine man and machine to, do, to achieve the results that you want to achieve. And let's, let's carry on talking about the future then. What other uh, cutting edge technologies are you excited about seeing become mainstream? You must have your finger on the pulse there. Well, I'm a little bit biased towards the technologies that have most impact on us as a company. And uh, one of the, you, you also mentioned, uh, um, if I think of one of the biggest barriers that we have for the adoption of our solution or solutions similar to our own, it's still the hardware. The hardware for uh, AR, the, the ones that uh, it's on like a head mounted display. They're still a little bit clunky ergonomically. They're not the best. Battery life cycle also uh, is not good. Um, so improvements in that arena is something that will significantly contribute to the fact that this becomes a, 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 a solution to adopt. And we'll end the show the same way we do every week uh, by asking our guests to tell us the one invention that if it was never manufactured, your life would be unbearable. So what could you not live without? Well, in terms of products and services, nothing comes to mind considering that there's always alternatives. But if I have, if we go broader in the definition of what an invention is, I would say it's electricity. How to generate and harness and distribute uh, electricity would be the one invention that I would say that would be very hard to, to live without. That would be very hard. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. All it leaves me to do is say thanks to today's guest, Manuel Oliveira. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Stuart, for, for the opportunity of being here. Subscribe to this podcast in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Music. Thanks for listening to this edition of Remake Manufacturing. I'm your host, Stuart Black. See you next time.